The Lord be with you. If you had a chance to ask Jesus anything, what would you ask him? Today in John chapter 4, we hear a story about a woman who has a chance to do just that, and we know a few details about this woman. First of all, she is a Samaritan woman. Samaritans are a branch of Abraham's family. They split off from the people we know as Jews about 900 years before Jesus. They split off after the death of King Solomon, and the Samaritans took the northern half of Israel, and the Jews took the southern half. And the Samaritans had their own unique history, mixing against their will with other people. They share some of the same scriptures as the Jews, but the Samaritans only acknowledge the first five books of the Bible. They don't acknowledge the prophets, and they certainly don't share the scriptures that we as Christians have about Jesus. And in many ways, the Samaritans and Jews have a sibling rivalry, or, a, or maybe even a feud like the, uh, the McCoys and the Hatfields. They do not get along. So we know, first of all, that this woman is a Samaritan. Second of all, we know that she has gone to draw water from a well at noon. And this is surprising for a couple reasons. One, hauling water from a well is hard work, and it's hot in the noonday sun, and so women would always try to draw water first thing in the morning when the day is cool. And it became a way for women to socialize with each other in a culture where women were often restricted to their own households. This was one of the few times that they could go out and be in public without the supervision of their husbands or fathers. They could gossip and, and hear what's happening. For this woman to go draw water at noon means one of two things. Either she's had a really bad day, and wasn't able to get there at the start of it. Or two, this woman is a social outcast. She is not welcomed by the other women of the city to draw water when they do. For whatever reason, this woman goes to the well at noon to draw water, and when she gets there, she meets a Jewish man who, despite all the bad blood between Jews and Samaritans, asks her for some water. When she comments that this is surprising, he says, you know what, you should really be asking me for water. And she says, hey, wait a minute, buddy, you don't even have a, a, a bucket to draw water from. How's this going to work? He tells her that there's this living water that he can offer her, and so she says, great, I'll take some of that, please. And he says, get your husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right, for you have had five husbands, and the man you're currently living with is not your husband. And at this moment, the woman realizes that this man she has never met before seems to know an awful lot about her backstory and that perhaps he is a prophet sent by God and she has in that moment the opportunity to ask him any question she could possibly want. And so what does she say? She says, our ancestors say we worship God on this mountain, but you say to worship God in Jerusalem. That's what she says. Right? She doesn't ask, hey, why have all of my five marriages ended? She doesn't ask, hey, how do I get all the women in this town to welcome me back into my, their good graces? She doesn't say, hey, what about that water you promised me just a second ago? No. What this woman asks is, where should we worship God? And to me, that's 
a profound question and a great one too because two months ago back in january i and some other members of this congregation took a trip to the holy land and constantly i found myself every day asking where should we worship god and there was a few reasons for that right one was because we went to so many sacred sites every single day that just on a practical level we did not have time to worship god at every single one and so i would ask well which one should we worship god at and also some of them were just crowded with people and busy and touristy and not great spots to worship so i would ask where should we worship god but as the trip went on there became another reason why i had to ask that question and it was because i did not plan this trip i was not the organizing pastor two of my friends and colleagues were and as the trip went on i started to realize that their congregations had maybe come for different reasons than i had come right i had come because i wanted to connect with god where jesus had walked and some of these people had come because they wanted to learn about the lives of the palestinian people and that's very admirable it's just not why i'd come and i realized a whole nother crew of these people had come because they wanted to be tourists there was literally a moment where we were waiting in line to enter the tomb where jesus was buried where jesus rose from the dead and our tour guide said ah you know it's kind of a long line it might be a 45 minute wait the tour guide said how about if you want to stay here you can but you could also instead of going into the tomb where jesus was buried go to get tattoos instead who wants to do that literally half our crew chose to get tattoos and see instead of seeing where jesus was buried right I said, what <laughs> on the last day our last day in the holy land my anxiety about where are we going to worship god really started to get heightened because we hadn't had communion in days and we we're about to leave the holy land this was our last day together as a group and so i said where should we worship god and they said oh we'll have plenty of opportunities today and so the first place we went that day was to a lutheran hospital on the mount of olives the mountain where jesus ascended into heaven and i've got a picture of the chapel in this lutheran hospital absolutely gorgeous i thought wow what an amazing place we could worship god here it's it's even a lutheran church and they said oh well you know we've got another appointment in a little bit and people really want to climb the bell tower to see the view so let's do it at our next spot fine we'll, we'll go to our next spot which was great because the next spot was to visit uh, an ecumenical ecumenical accompaniment group that was there to document human rights abuses and their offices were literally overlooking the pools of bethsaida the place where jesus said to the man take up your mat and walk and i thought what a profound place of healing and transformation this will be an amazing spot to celebrate communion and they said oh but you know people really want a little extra time to go shopping so let's not do it here either and i said wow well that's okay because our hotel is in bethlehem literally our bus will have to drive right past the fields where the shepherds watch their flocks by night on the night where jesus is born our hotel is a block from the church on the spot where jesus was born we've got lots of opportunities lots of opportunities to worship there people said to me ah you know what we can actually let's skip those spots too because people they need more time to pack their bags before the trip tomorrow 
You know what the woman at the well does not ask Jesus? She does not ask Jesus, hey, where can I get the best view of the city? She doesn't ask Jesus, hey, where can I get some cool souvenirs to share with folks? She doesn't say, hey, where can I fit all my luggage? No, she says, where should I worship God? Because what this woman wants more than anything else is to know where she can find the God who will sustain her. Because this woman has found that everything else in life doesn't. This is a woman who lives in a world where women are entirely dependent upon their husbands, and yet she has had five husbands run dry on her. This is a woman in a world where the only chance you get to socialize with other women is drawing water from the well in the morning where you meet that sisterhood and you get strength from other women going through life. And yet, that social sisterhood has run dry on her. And as this woman is drawing, well, drawing water from a well at noon to take back to a man who has not even married her, this woman may well be feeling like even God has run dry on her. And she is asking herself, where can I find God? Where can I go to draw that which will sustain my life through all these hardships? Where is God? And that's always the question when it comes down to it. It's the question every time we face tragedy or hardship. When a loved one dies, we ask, where's God? When we lose our job, we ask, where's God? When our community is overwhelmed by natural disaster, we ask ourselves, where is God? When the Hebrew people are wandering through the wilderness, and they look out and they realize that they don't have any more water to get them through the day, they begin to worry, and they call the place where they worry Massa and Meribah, which means tested and quarreled, not because the people tested and quarreled as to whether or not water was there, but because they tested and quarreled asking, is the Lord among us or not? Where's God? And I will tell you what, on our trip to the Holy Land, we had journeyed to the other side of the world, we had spent hours crammed together in buses, listening to each other snore. We had stumbled over cobblestone streets and the un uneven ruins, falling and injuring ourselves day after day. We had done this. At least I had done this. Not to see a good view or to see a presentation or to get gifts. And I mean, I, I like a good view as much as anyone. I love learning about meaningful ministries. I love decorating my home with beautiful things, but I have done all that before. I know that's not what sustains. I had gone to the Holy Lands in hopes that here in this place, I might find God. I might be able to connect to the one who can sustain me through life. And so... Like the Israelites in the wilderness, like the Samaritan woman at the well, I wanted to know 
Where is God? Where shall we worship? And you can imagine my response when I was told that in our last day in the Holy Land, to accommodate all the other needs of our groups, the place where we would have our worship service was our hotel lobby. The Israelites say to Moses in the wilderness, why did you lead us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? I said to my colleagues, why did you lead us to the Holy Land so we could ignore all the beautiful sacred sites and worship God in our hotel? Sometimes in life, we're told that there are places, there are moments when we are supposed to experience something profound, when we are supposed to feel that sense of connection that we don't get anywhere else or in any other moment. And if for some reason we don't get that feeling in that place or in that moment, we think maybe we have missed our chance that we're not going to find God after all. But when the woman at the well asks Jesus where to worship God, Jesus answers not by saying where to worship God. Jesus answers by saying how to worship God. Jesus says to the woman, there will come a time when you will worship the Father not on this mountain nor even in Jerusalem. In fact, that time is coming and is now here when you will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. For the Father is spirit, and you must worship him in spirit and in truth. What Jesus is saying to this woman is that God is not a physical object. God is not some statue that's sitting on a mountaintop or hidden in a church or a temple waiting to be found by us. Jesus is saying to this woman, God is spirit, which means God is able to be present each and every place. And God is, in fact, seeking you out. And so if you want to find God, if you want to experience the connection with the one who sustains, stop asking where and start asking how. Jesus says there are two ways to worship God, in spirit and in truth. In spirit, which is to say in the depths of your being, to desire to connect with God, to become united with the divine and be transformed by God, not as you want, but as God wills, to worship God in spirit. But then Jesus also says, worship God in truth. And in John's Gospel, there is a question explicitly asked, what is truth? And Jesus will explicitly say, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth of God made flesh, the divine living among us and within us as us, sharing completely our lives, our lives with all their joys and their sorrows with all their triumphs and their failures. That is the truth. To worship God in spirit and in truth is to worship God with an open heart, open to God's presence each and every place, but also is to worship God with open hands, 
open to reaching out to the people who are around us in that specific place. When Moses frets in the wilderness that he doesn't have water there to give to his people, God tells Moses to worry less about where he is and to worry more about who he's with. God says to Moses, take, go ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. God is saying to Moses, surround yourself with people that you know, people that you trust, people who have walked this journey with you. And then God says, with those people, open your heart, open your spirit to trust that even in the most unexpected places, even in a barren rock in the desert, I am there. And so strike the rock, and I will bring forth water for the people. And so that is what we did. We gathered together these people who had journeyed with us to the Holy Land. We gathered them together in a corporate-feeling hotel lobby, and we began to share scripture, and we began to share prayer. And I will tell you, in that place, in that upper room, in the Judean village looking out over the lights at night, I experienced the presence of God in a way that I hadn't for the whole rest of the trip. I experienced the presence of God there not because we were standing on a mountain where Jesus had stood 2,000 years ago, not because we were in a building built by those early disciples in centuries past. I experienced the presence of God in that place because in that place I had gathered together with people who had journeyed to the other side of the world with me, who had listened to me snore in a bus for hours, who had tried to help me as I stumbled, who I had tried to help when they stumbled, and who I had failed to help when they stumbled, and yet who accepted my hand when I helped them back up. I surrounded myself with people, and I knew which one of them would buy a souvenir at every single bus stop. And they knew that they could get me to start a monologue on ancient history at the poke of a button. I was surrounded by people I knew, people I trusted, people with whom I had journeyed. We were sharing Christ in that moment. We were worshiping God in spirit and in truth, the truth of who we were and the spirit of God being within us. And so when we blessed bread, when we broke it, when we gave it to each other and said, this is the body of Christ, it was. Because we were. I had gone to the Holy Land, wanting to find out, like the Samaritan woman, where to worship God, where to find God. And Jesus gave me an answer, the same answer that he gives to the Samaritan woman, which is, God is within you. God is among you. The Samaritan woman went to that well at noon to draw water, to sustain her for a day. But she leaves that well, having been sustained not just for a day, but for a lifetime. And she leaves that well leaving 
her water jar behind her. Because she has the water of life as a spring gushing up, not in something that needs to be carried with her hands, but that is carried in her heart. And so she goes and she shares it with others. She shares this living water of truth within her. She shares the truth that though she is a person who is undoubtedly imperfect, she is the perfect vessel to carry God's living water and to share it. She shares it with the men of the city who had run dry with her. She shared it with the women of the city who had run dry on her. She shares it with her whole city that had let her down time and time again. Because this water of life, when shared, it sustains. And so if you find yourself asking, where should I worship God? Where can I find the God who will sustain me? Remember this. It doesn't matter if you are lost in the desert. It doesn't matter if you have been married five times. It doesn't matter if you skipped Jesus' tomb to get a tattoo and now are worshiping in your hotel lobby. The spring of living water that gushes up to life, it gushes up to life within you. And so may we share it. May we seek out siblings in Christ with whom to share this water, for when we share it in truth, the truth of who we are, each and every one of us, we share the truth that God is in and among us and sustains us to eternal life. Amen.